This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Dave Anthony. Today, a focus on an adversary. The one the FBI's director says is the U.S.'s biggest threat, China. And a big reason for that is their cyber army, which operates the biggest hacking operation in the world. Now, the other day, the Washington Post put out a story detailing how China has infiltrated American infrastructure, including utilities. And the targets are public systems and also private businesses. At a time when there's already tension over the spy balloon that crisscrossed America, over close Chinese-U.S. military encounters in the sky and at sea. We've clashed over Taiwan and over TikTok security. Now, for the Rundown podcast, on Wednesday, we talked to somebody who's been dealing with Chinese security issues for years. Matthew Kranig is vice president and senior director at the Scowcroft Center for Strategy and Security at the Atlantic Council. And he went into so much depth from cyber to nuclear, we couldn't fit all he said into that podcast. So today, we give you the entire conversation, and we hope you like it, and we hope you come back for more of these weekend extras or for our regular rundown segments we do twice every weekday. So please subscribe if you already have. Thank you. And now, Matthew Kranig on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Joining us on the Fox News Rundown is Matthew Kranig. He is vice president and senior director at the Scowcroft Center for Strategy and Security for the Atlantic Council. He's also a professor at Georgetown University and certainly knows a lot about what the Washington Post reported this week. And the story was about China's cyber army invading critical U.S. services in a lot of different areas in what's been a long campaign in which, of course, the Chinese are using their cyber capabilities to infiltrate America. First of all, Matthew, thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you very much for having me on. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. When you see this story, this certainly is something you know this threat, we've talked about China and the cyber threat for a while. How serious is what China is doing to the U.S.? Well, well it's very serious. And, and I would, uh, you know, it's reported as a cyber issue, but I, I would broaden it. I think this really is about the strategic competition and really about China preparing for war. Um, what, what they were doing with these cyber intrusions was getting into critical infrastructure, uh, laying in wait. Uh, and then the idea was that if there's a major conflict, uh, if China, uh, say, invades Taiwan, China's afraid that the United States is going to project military power forward into Asia to defend Taiwan. Uh, and they want to stop us from doing that. So they uh, want to hit uh, water, power, um, energy in the United States to make it difficult for the United States to move forces from bases in Hawaii and the continental United States um, into Asia. Okay. So uh, quite, quite, quite simply, they're they're preparing for war. Okay. Okay. Are these 
mil- these aren't really military targets. I mean, we're talking about a water system in Pennsylvania hit by um, that may be hit by Iranian. Um, back up for a second on that one. Um, I want. Yeah. Well, so uh, hang on, yes, have, the- let me reframe the question. Okay, <laughs> let me, let okay, me do that again. So, are we talking about military targets? Or are we talking about civilian, both? I mean, if they're trying to help or prevent us from fighting a war, why would they go after civilian targets? Well, because the U.S. military uh, depends on civilian critical infrastructure. If the power goes out uh, in in a town where there's a U.S. military base, if the water goes out, uh, if uh, a port is is disrupted, a a port that is going to send out U.S. uh, ships, uh, then that prevents the U.S. military uh, from projecting power. It disrupts the logistic. Projecting power disrupts the logistics, and, and then also it, it's possible that China would want to combine cyber attacks with uh, physical kinetic attacks in the event of conflict. And so, uh, if there were really a war, um, again, they might combine cyber attacks uh, to disrupt uh, the critical infrastructure, and then combine that with physical attacks um, against the bases um, themselves. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Okay, so they're infiltrating these different systems. How are they doing it? Well, they're they're very um, sophisticated, and there are a number of pieces to it. One, um, you may have heard of China's civil military fusion uh, policy, but uh, essentially as a dictatorship, they can compel the private sector to cooperate with them in a way that we can't, thank goodness, in a democracy in the free world. And so when uh, Chinese uh, companies, researchers find uh, software vulnerabilities, the Chinese Communist Party uh, requires them to report to the Chinese Communist Party. And then the party stockpiles these vulnerabilities to use in um, cyber attacks. Um, So uh, one, they're doing the research. And then two, in terms of actually getting into the U.S. uh, system, well, um, I guess two, they have have a big army. Uh, It's a large country and they have uh, government officials and contractors uh, paid by the CCP uh, who are doing these kind of uh, cyber intrusions um, all day, every day. And and then three, they're they're sophisticated getting into the U.S. uh, systems, um, um, uh, finding vulnerabilities and and, um, mimicking uh, real users in some cases. So this goes to show the importance of changing your password and and our daily kind of cybersecurity um, hygiene. Right, because a company can spend a lot of money to firewall everything, but if an employee is careless, they're in, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, and um, the, there are these vulnerabilities. And, and then the other piece to the premise of your question is, is that often these companies aren't doing as much as they probably should be, uh, because uh, you know these are utility providers, um, uh, state and local governments in, in some cases, and so cybersecurity, hiring the best cybersecurity firms, is, is expensive. Um, and um, uh, so uh, they're may- maybe not doing as much as they should, because uh, unlike China, the United States government can't compel uh, these uh, firms to, to take certain measures. 
Uh, and so th this is a big part of the challenge that the vast majority of the critical infrastructure in the United States is owned by the private sector. And so how, how can we get them to improve their cybersecurity uh, standards? Uh, we're making progress, but it's still a challenge. So maybe stories like this is one way they do that, right, to put public pressure. I, I think that's right, and, and we don't know why the story came to light um, today, but that it, it, the U.S. government officials did speak on the record to The Washington Post, so it did seem like they were trying to bring attention uh, to this issue, and, and that's one reason they might have been doing it, to, to raise awareness and put more pressure on the private sector to, to step up and, and take the steps that are necessary. You know, we've had all these run-ins with China in, in the last year. We've had all these close encounters in the sky with um, military planes. We had this Chinese spy balloon flying over the United States. We have concern about TikTok security. This just seems like it just keeps building up. Yet we have President Biden in the summit in San Francisco in November. We're, we're just we just seek, you know, uh, competition, but nothing else. And we had the Treasury Secretary, the Secretary of State going to China. I mean, we're trying to seemingly almost be friendly. Yeah, and um, you know, you know, this is uh, I've, I've called it a new Cold War, and and this is an intense rivalry. There is the it's across the board economic techn technology, uh, military competition could result in World War Three, and so I think we need to um, be much more focused on this. And and the idea that this is a competition, uh, kind of like a tennis match, I think is is not quite right. Um, and then this idea that we're going to cooperate with China, uh, like you said, Biden meeting with Xi at the summit last month, I, I think is a little naive. Um, China in these areas where people say we can cooperate, climate, arms control, public health, uh, China's actually a pretty bad actor in, in all of those areas. So I think it's naive. And, and I think it's also counterproductive when it comes to issues like uh, cybersecurity. You know, if um, these uh, utility companies think, oh, we're cooperating with China now, um, you know, maybe there's not the same uh, in, uh, uh, motivation to, to get our cybersecurity practices right. If they understand that this is an intense rivalry, we're going to be in this rivalry for decades, uh, could result in World War III. Uh, and uh, I think that would help to clarify the, the stakes and uh, maybe motivate uh, some of these um, uh, cyber uh, critical infrastructure companies to uh, improve their cyber practices. You know, I've heard people worry about, you know, we have Russia and Ukraine. Now we have Israel battling Hamas. And I've heard people worry that China could take advantage of all these other conflicts the U.S. is trying to, you know, do what they can to stop from blowing up into something bigger and go to Taiwan. Is that, how real is this threat that China's going to invade Taiwan militarily? Well, unfortunately, I, I think it is a real uh, threat. So uh, just look at what Xi Jinping is saying, uh, the leader of China. He said that uh, he will in reincorporate Taiwan uh, by 2049. Uh, he says he's, he'd rather do that peacefully, but he'll do it through military force if necessary. Um, the CIA has also reported publicly that Xi has asked his military to give him uh, the ability to invade Taiwan by 2027. Uh, so not that he'll do it by 2027, but that he wants the ability to do it by 2027. So it's almost the new year. That means we're you know th three years away. And so I think there is a uh, window here. A and the United States, uh, even though the Biden administration has has talked about competing with China, 
uh, we're not making the investments we need to be making in our own um, defenses. Uh, we don't have the ability to deal with Russia, Iran, China, all at the same time. And so I do think that if China thinks that we're distracted um, elsewhere, they may, may see an opportunity uh, to go for it. And Biden has said four times that he would defend Taiwan. I think that's the right position. But, um, uh, you know, uh, so there is a possible pathway to how the United States and China are, are in a major war in, in the coming years. Yeah. And and their their Navy is powerful. Right. I mean, China, that's a tough fight for us. It is. And they have geography on their side as well. Uh, Taiwan's a, a small island um, just off their coast. We'd have to project power. Uh, all the way uh, to the other side of the world, uh, which again goes back to the cyber attacks. If China can prevent us from projecting power there, it makes the fight um, easier uh, for them. And, um, you know, we, we see in Ukraine, the Ukrainians uh, amazing will to resist. And so does Taiwan have the same will to resist? Can they hold out? Can they give us enough time to get there and, and defend them? Uh, and so that would be a, a tough fight. Uh, and, and of course, it would be much better to deter the attack uh, in the first place. Uh, and not have to uh, fight it. So I think that's why getting our, our defenses right now, including our cyber defenses, is so important. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Now, Matthew, you're, you're on the Congressional Commission on the Strategic Posture of the United States. So we're dealing with missile defense and cybersecurity and also nuclear weapons. We've, we've had now a breakdown in a treaty with Russia. We have the concern about North Korea. We even have Iran nuclear concerns. Where are we when it comes to nuclear weapons and nuclear fears in 2023? Well, well, unfortunately, nuclear weapons are back. And I think many people thought these were, you know, kind of Cold War uh, relics and, and the world had moved on, but, but they're back. And um, I'd say the biggest development here is China is engaging in a massive nuclear buildup. Uh, maybe the biggest nuclear buildup since the U.S. and the Soviet Union in the 1960s. Uh, China is going to quintuple the size of its nuclear arsenal uh, by 2035. And so this means for the first time in American history, the United States is going to have to deal with two uh, nuclear superpowers. In the past, it was really just Russia and, and China and North Korea and others have small arsenals. Now the United States is going to need to deal with two nuclear superpowers at the same time. And that was really the major uh, question that this congressional commission that I'm serving on was asked to address. Uh, what does this mean for U.S. Um, nuclear strategy and posture? And in the report that we just delivered to Congress, uh, we recommend uh, not an immediate nuclear buildup, but that the United States begin taking the steps now uh, so that it does have the possibility of, of increasing the size of its nuclear arsenal for the first time since the end of the Cold War in order to deal with uh, these two nuclear superpowers at the same time. We fear China. We see what they're doing, all the preparations that they, they, they have for possible war. You talk about their nuclear arsenal, Taiwan. But at the same time, their economics, 
we we fear them also as an economic superpower. We we rely on them so much for trade and and and, and all the things that that a lot of people worry about after COVID too, with the you know supply chain and all our medicines made there. How is China's economy and how strong is China internally? Well, um, uh, China has some real strengths. Um, it, it is the number two economy on earth. Um, it is gaining influence around the world. It is investing in its military, uh, but it has real weaknesses as well. And I think sometimes we overlook those um, weaknesses uh, to our uh, uh, peril uh, because I think good strategy often comes about by, by exploiting an adversary's weaknesses. Uh, so China's uh, autocratic model doesn't really work very well. Uh, you know, having a dictator call all the shots um, uh, doesn't really work. So economically, China's economy is um, slowing down. Um, uh, technologically, China's being cut off from these um, international supplies uh, that it used to build its technological capacity over the past several decades. Um, diplomatically, uh, much of the rest of the world is, is turning against China, including uh, here in Washington, D.C. Uh, and, and militarily, um, China actually spends more on repressing its own people uh, than it does on its military. So its greatest threat comes from uh, you know, Uyghurs in Xinjiang and, and protesters in Hong Kong, not the U.S. Department of Defense. So I think there are real weaknesses there that we can exploit in this, in this rivalry. Is trade one of our biggest chips. Can we do more to make it tougher on China by strengthening our own manufacturing and, and making us less reliant on them? Definitely. And, you know, over the past several decades, we uh, increased trade investment with China really because it was part of our strategy. Our hope was that as uh, we traded with China, they would get richer, they would become more democratic, they'd become more cooperative. Uh, now we've realized that hasn't worked. And it, that didn't work. And so we're uh, ha having a new economic approach. Some refer to it as de-risking. Uh, but, but essentially, the idea is that in areas of sensitive national security concern, defense-related uh, trade, uh, technology-related trade, uh, other uh, critical supply chains like uh, pharmaceuticals or critical minerals, uh, that we do need to uh, essentially have a hard decoupling with China uh, and and stop that trade and investment and and find other places uh, for our supplies. Um, but there are a lot of other areas where trade and investment can continue. Uh, you know, if China wants to buy soybeans from American farmers, uh, if Americans want to buy cheap um, textiles or baseball caps made in China, uh, that's fine. That doesn't um, uh, provide a national security risk. But we do need this hard decoupling in other areas. And as we do that, it will have the benefit not only of securing our own supply chain, but also of weakening um, China, because our, our openness, uh, China has been able to exploit uh, to increase its technological capacity and improve its economic performance over the past several decades. Uh, now that they're uh, becoming more aggressive, though, the, the free world is kicking that ladder down and it's going to make life more difficult for China. And we have to lock down our infrastructure a little better right on the cyber front. And that's right. Uh, that's going to be a key piece of all of this. And, uh, you know, there are um, the, the, the U.S. government, as I said, Department of Homeland Security is uh, trying um, sharing um, information with the private sector on best practices. Uh, they do um, exercises uh, together, kind of cybersecurity tabletop exercises. Uh, but there are some interesting proposals out there about what the United States uh, could do in addition. Uh, one of them uh, uh, that we did here at the Atlanta Council calls for a 
uh, kind of cyber core reserve capacity that, especially in the event of a wartime, that the best cybersecurity experts from the private sector and elsewhere uh, could be called up and, and go to work uh, defending critical infrastructure to prevent China from uh, conducting the kind of attacks that they were preparing for uh, this week. Well, that is very interesting. Matthew Kranig, Vice President and Senior Director of the Scowcroft Center for Strategy and Security for the Atlantic Council, professor at Georgetown University. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All right. We got into a lot, and I appreciate all that. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.